Thursday night here on another episode of Lockdown Women's Basketball. Tonight was the day of the second round of the WNBA playoffs, and we are here to first talk about the first game of the night between the LA Sparks and the Washington Mystics. And joining me to talk about this one is Lindsey Gibbs. Lindsey, uh, not not a very close game, but what are your uh, what are the biggest things you're taking from this one? Yeah, I mean. It's all positive from the Mystics end. I think they broke the third seed curse that we've seen take down the number three seeds the past few years. It's a really tough position, you know, to have your very first game be a single elimination game when you're the third best record in the league. You know, you worked so hard. You have a single elimination game and you're going, it's a team that has some momentum on their side, you know, who's just won their first game. Um, so I think it's, it's just a really awful position, but the Mystics came out focused from the beginning and about midway through the first quarter, they took over, uh, they were down, I think 11 to six, maybe, you know, three or four minutes into the first and then went on something like a 21 to five run (laughs) and and really just didn't look back I haven't seen a better performance from start to finish from the Mystics probably all season uh they just didn't they didn't take the foot off the gas they had six players shooting double digits all five starters plus Tiana Hawkins who had 10 points in about five and a half minutes in the second uh in the first half So it was just, it was really great to see. They had a season high 28 assists. They usually just have their, their average is 17 assists per game. So the ball movement was just spectacular. And look, it's really easy to look here and say and kind of discount it all because the Sparks were obviously so fatigued. But I don't know. I think you still have to give the Mystics a lot of credit for this game because, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's a tough position that they're dealing with. And I think had they given the sparks some mistakes to deal with or some room to shoot in that first quarter, the sparks could have easily found a second wind there, you know, but they just, they took over by halftime. They were up by 21 and I don't think it got closer than that. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, after the first quarter being down by 11, the second quarter was huge for them to build that, to build that lead. And then they continue to do it out of half. Although I think at halftime, I think everybody would probably admit they had a feeling that that the game was just going to continue to go in this way. I think it's a tough thing. I think it's a tough thing to balance because the the Mystics earned this win. I mean, they blew them out. Uh, they heard they heard them in transition. They executed in the half court and defensively. They made they made stuff really tough for the Sparks. They didn't give them. They didn't give up many easy looks and uh you know i want to i want to pitch this to you you were there i i caught a little bit of the post-game pressers um but you know candace parker afterwards was very open about just hey like you know washington the team that took care of business and if you look at it from a sparks perspective if they win one more game from one through 33 just one more and then they win on sunday they're the four seed and they are the ones that you know don't have to worry about a first round game and then get on the road to go play Thursday. So I don't know. How do you kind of wrestle with this? Where like, of course it was tough for the Sparks to go through this gauntlet, but you know, give, giving the, the Mystics credit for what they did tonight. 
Yeah, like I said, and I, I do have to give the Sparks a lot of credit. They all handled this really well. I was not expecting the post-game press conferences with Brian Agler and then with uh, NECA and Candice to be as pleasant, <laughs> I think, as they were. Um, but they all just kind of, they gave the Mystics a lot of credit. They recognized that, look, this was not a typical Sparks season. There were a lot more up and downs, a lot more inconsistencies, and they simply didn't win enough games to get a good playoff schedule. You know, they just, they didn't do it. And there's such a big difference in this playoff format between the first and second seeds, the third and fourth seeds, and, you know, your fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth seeds. And I think that's what makes the end of the regular season so exciting and we're not used I mean let's face it if you look at the NBA it's not a big difference between the five or the six seed or the you know the three or the four like nobody it's hard to get really invested in that uh you know that battle but with the WNBA it matters a lot and the Sparks simply didn't do it I mean think back to just their game last Friday night against the Washington Mystics and how huge that is in hindsight, where you have the very last play of the game, Natasha Cloud hitting a buzzer beater, falling backwards over Elena Beard to win the game. You know, their records could have been completely different, you know, had those those final two games gone differently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just, just going back as far as six days ago, you know, talking about how things could have been much different for the Sparks if that game which could have gone either way goes differently. And then maybe Sunday goes differently for them against Connecticut. Uh, you know, the entire playoff picture would look, look very different to, to get getting to the mystics and some of their players. Uh, I want to get to one that you wrote about today over on high post hoops. You can read that on Latoya Sanders, who I think has been so interesting. She, I mean, she's been, she's been really good defensively and much like the player she went up against tonight, Neko Ogumike, she is not, you know, She's really got to earn like everything that she does well defensively because she's not doing this by virtue of just being bigger than everybody on pretty much any night. Right. And then offensively, you know, she gets she gets good stuff around the basket. You know, sometimes she'll get a guard and she'll post them up and score. But I mean, her shooting. I mean, we everyone loves to talk about stretch bigs, but <laughs> I mean, Latoya's doing it from sixteen feet. But if she's gonna make you know, 50 some percent of those shots, like <laughs> it just it just really takes them to a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, she's shooting 60% on the year. She's never gotten, I think, over like 46% in any of her WNBA seasons before. So her shooting percentage has just been absolutely remarkable. And it's so crucial. And it was definitely the missing element last season when you had Crystal Thomas in there at center, who could make the re, you know, could do the layups and be a force around the basket. But couldn't take, if she was open for any jumpers, she wasn't going to take them. Latoya Sanders wants that baseline jumper. She wants those, you know, 10-foot shots. That's what she's going to make. That's her bread and butter. And it just, when you have teams double-teaming Elena Deladon, really focusing in on Christy Tolliver, you're going to have to leave someone open. And if you look at the other three Mystic starters, the really dangerous thing is all of them at this point are capable of being offensive. And Latoya Sanders, I think, is the player that people still think of as that weak link offensively because she doesn't have the three shot. But she's not. She's 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 their go to. I mean, Deladon 
just raves about Sanders' efficiency. And as I say, if, if Della Don's raving about your efficiency, you're probably doing something right um, because she's one of the most efficient players there is. But I think tonight LaToya had seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, you know, three blocks. She just does it all in 14 points. So it's so crucial because it gives them such a dynamic front court. And that's something that they haven't really had the past few years. Absolutely. And I mean, there you can you can draw a straight line from what we saw tonight to some of their struggles in the semis last year where the, you know, <laughs> they went up against a, a juggernaut in the links the way they were playing. But one of their biggest issues was there were people that Minnesota was able to leave open and they didn't have to pay much of a price for leaving those players open. And now approaching the Mystics in that same way, it doesn't look like from what we've seen so far that that is going to be something that now their next opponent, Atlanta, is going to be able to do quite as easily. And I think another player that you've seen we've seen that with is Natasha Cloud shooting a career-high 38% from three almost attempts of her career. And tonight, I mean, there were two possessions. Elena Deladon has the ball in the post, and... Cloud's defender left her to go guard Deladon and she just threw the ball right back to her and she nailed threes both times. And it looked like the Sparks wanted that. They weren't in any rush to go send a third person over to Cloud. They just kind of let it happen. And if she makes those shots, I think that's another kind of thing where just, you know, whoever they're playing like that, that team's going to lose. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. I mean, I think... I've said this in our, you know, our high post hoops Slack chat a lot. So I think people are sick of it. But I really do think that both Sanders and Cloud have really great cases for the most improved players of the year. And it's the big difference between the Mystics this year and the Mystics last year. Um, I mean, Natasha Cloud was pretty much told at her exit interview last year, you're going into a contract year and you weren't good enough this year. You know, I mean, Mike Tebow is really like, like she's a big guard. She's a six foot guard. And that's the type of player that who, who's really good on defense. That's the type of player that Mike Tebow just absolutely adores. And he, he is certainly, you know, really um, embraced Tasha throughout the past few years, but he was pretty frank with her that she needed to be better. And she didn't go overseas. She stayed here, got healthy, and worked nonstop on her shooting. I mean, I remember this from training camp. Every uh, She and Tiana Hawkins, so, so Cloud, Tiana Hawkins, Tierra Riffin Pratt, and Elena Deladon had all spent all been in DC for most of the off season and just working together nonstop. And they all raved about Natasha clouds, three point shooting. And there were times this year where it, you didn't see it as much, but you see here at the end of the year, she's, I believe uh, shooting 12% higher from the field than she's ever shot in her career, shooting 15% higher from three than she's ever shot in her career, you know, averaging a solid 8.8 points per game I mean, if you have that from her and you have 10 points per game from LaToya, you, that, that's enough that you can't leave these people open. Yeah, and, you know, I think, and maybe we can now start to look forward a little bit. I think their semifinal se- series is going to be so fascinating because they now get ready for Atlanta, who, of course, lost Angel McCautry for the season. And the first thing we think of there is that, you know, in a, in a situation like this, in a five-game series, offensively, 
that's obviously such a huge blow for them as someone who can go get a shot even when a possession looks completely dead in the water. But even without Angel, Atlanta still clearly has a lot of those a lot of the top, top players that have been that have contributed to them being the best defense in the league this season. So as you look forward to this series, what do you think Atlanta's you know, what is Atlanta going to try to do in trying to slow down this Washington attack? I mean, Atlanta loves the high pace. So I don't know that Atlanta Atlanta really wants to slow down the pace of the game at all. Um, I, it, you know, it's going to be fascinating. One of the things that was so apparent today in the Sparks matchup, of course there was fatigue, but it was just glaringly obvious that there were, that the Mystics team was faster and more athletic. And Atlanta is another team that is, I think of as just being very fast and very athletic. And, you know, a lot of really dynamic players, some younger players, and they, you know, just really liking this fast pace in transition defense first, but also, um, you know, high scoring games. And, I think we're going to see, since the Mystics are really hitting their stride right now, I mean, look, the Mystics won eight in a row after All-Star, and then the regular season finale, but, you know, you never want to say you can completely throw out games, but uh, that the second half of that game, they already knew that they couldn't get the two seed. It was Lindsey Whalen's uh, final game against the Lynx, and they pretty much had their second unit in the whole time. So, you know, I don't really think of that as like a bad loss. And then you saw them win today. So they're on a roll. Uh, and it's been a maybe about a month since they faced Atlanta. I think they faced Atlanta right after All-Star and actually beat them. They're one of it, you know, they gave Atlanta a rare loss the second half of the season. I think we're going to just see so much fast-paced play, so much athleticism, and just a lot of confident shooting. Yeah, and, you know, I, you know, coming off of that first round game between Sparks and the Lynx, I don't think it's, I don't see any way someone could argue that that is one of the ways in which the league has really passed by the Sparks and the Lynx. Of course, some of their players have gotten older, but there are teams that are pushing the pace on them and they're not afraid. And, you know, they, though, you know, the Sparks and the Lynx aren't, aren't able to set their defense as much because other teams are, are realizing and, you know, just coming out and saying that they, you know, we can have a say in how the pace of this game goes too. And Washington with the way they spread people out and can hit open threes makes such a big difference. And Atlanta, um, you know, maybe they don't have as much, as much shooting if you really stack up player by player, but they have plenty of players that can get to the rim and they have still have enough, um, enough players that you would still feel pretty good because they, they do start this series with home court advantage and one player I think that the spotlight is going to be on front and center for Atlanta is Tiffany Hayes. So one, from a Washington perspective, who do you think draws that yeah. primary assignment? And what do you just what do you think it will look like as they try to, to lock in on her and limit her impact? It'll be Natasha Cloud. She always kind of gets the best guard. She's a much better defender than Christy Tolliver. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> Not even close. Um so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I, I think that uh, 
Atlanta had their kind of come like breakout game against the Mystics um, a couple weeks before All-Star, maybe one week when Atlanta was really finding their groove. And all of a sudden, after shooting about 32% all season, they shot 60% in this game. Tiffany Hayes and Jessica Breland, just there was no stopping them. Like every I was sitting courtside for that game. It was in D.C. and my jaw was on the ground, like every single shot Atlanta took, Atlanta made. And it was terrifying seeing this team who you just thought of as just a defensive team. And you thought, oh, this is the potential. And I was talking with Elizabeth Williams last week, and she said that, you know, that was the confidence that Coach Colin just kind of kept giving them. She said, our shots are going to have to start falling like they just are. Keep shooting. One day they're going to start falling. Second half of the season, that's what's happened. They've just started falling. I'm actually a little curious to see if this hiatus has been good or bad for Atlanta. I know rest is really good, but the momentum that they've been able to uh, find uh, this second half of this season, I'm kind of curious to see if any of that has gone away. Uh, they do have her name Montgomery, but they don't have a, a whole lot of playoff experience on that squad. So I'm curious how they're going to kind of, um, whether they're going to be ready for this or not. And I know that that sounds a little patronizing and it might sound like I'm not giving them enough credit. And they could definitely surprise me and come out guns blazing. They certainly have the talent. But the Mystics have talked all year about how much they learned from that semifinal series against the Minnesota Lynx last year. And uh, Christy and Elena both talked about it in press after the game tonight, about how they remember how quickly they got down to nothing in that series, those two road games. They remember how quickly life comes at you after, you know, finishing up these single elimination games. They remember the pace, the physicality of that series so well. And... You know, it's it's not a convenient narrative. I mean, this is something Tebow has been talking about since training camp, about how he feels like that series was the stepping stone they needed in order to get to the finals and the championship, that they needed to go through that series against that caliber of a team and lose and see how far they had to go to measure up. So the Mystics have that experience in their back pocket, uh, whereas most of the dream do not. And I do wonder if that's going to, you know, if that experience is going to give the Mystics the benefit that they seem to think it will. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think this is an, such an interesting matchup because, you know, yes, Atlanta's defense is really real. And, you know, Tiffany Hayes can definitely take on more of the scoring responsibility. They have Renee Montgomery, who's had some just monster games, um, just getting loose and, and drilling some ridiculous threes. And then they have Brittany Sykes, a second-year player who is, you know, you know, one thing she's not short on confidence. No, um, but you know that's <laughs> that's what they might need when the, you know if maybe if Hayes has a slow start one game or Montgomery's not getting open, they're going to need somebody to to step up and hit some of those shots. But I think I think this is you know Washington. I think is one of the few teams that'll really put them to the test because they really open up the court and they have so many different players that can do just enough. That you know, from Atlanta's perspective, I would I would expect Tiffany Hayes to be on Christy Tolliver, and that they're really gonna lock on lock in on her. But you know, they have Natasha Cloud who can get downhill and get to the rim, and you know, another name we haven't even brought up yet, Ariel Atkins, who 
Right. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, any other year, rookie of the year. <laughs> like, you know, like potential. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I, I always joke with people that, you know, no one, would, no coach or GM would actually do this. But I mean, Mike Tebow, I, <laughs> this is one you're going to be able to talk about for years and years and years. I mean, the number seven pick is a legitimate starter two-way wing that contributes on both sides of the basketball for a playoff team. I don't think, you know, you can really hit that, hit that storyline hard, hard enough. And I think she wasn't even invited to the draft. She wasn't, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. she wasn't even one of the players, the WNBA invited to the draft. And now she's a starter in the semifinals. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. And I, and, you know, something else I think with this Washington team that's so interesting is, you know, I, you know, you, it's, you can get into semantics with this, but, you know, Washington, I think I might feel the best about of any team in the league with their depth, specifically because, you know, they have players in the context of how they want to play with their starters. They have players off the bench that can come in and, and they can still play the same way. You mentioned Tiana Hawkins with her shooting. Exactly. Uh, you know, Ariel Powers is a player with, you know, that plays a lot of confidence, you know, that can really be a player to give them a boost off the bench. Tia Ruffin-Pratt, her role has been really scaled back, but she still does the same stuff, even still in that role. She's still and one then, of the best defenders in, in the league. <laughs> you know, yeah. she really is. And she sped up the release on her jump shot. It looks a lot better this year. And so then, much better. And, you know, a player that barely played today, Monique Curry, like, I mean, you know, say what you want. Some people may say, you know, she's too old to contribute, but like, she, she, you know, if you have to, if you have to call her name, I imagine Mike Tebow feels pretty good that she's going to hit her open shots. If she's open, she won't be afraid to drive to the rim and she's going to be where she's supposed to be on defense. And that's what you need. That's all you need from that role. Right. So. No, it's really true. And like, I mean, looking at the depth of this team compared to last year, I mean, you have players who were getting minutes last year who aren't even on WNBA teams this year. And you have players who aren't even start, you know, who, who don't get any minutes this year, Crystal Thomas, Shatori Walker, Maisha Hines Allen, who are all capable if they have, if there are a couple of injuries and they have to come into the game nobody's going to be freaking out. They're complete. You know what I mean? Like they are really good players. He's, he's shortness with the rotation to about eight right now. So the three bench players he's going to on a regular basis are Tiana, Ariel powers and Tierra Ruffin Pratt. Uh, he's talked all season about, you know, wanting to figure he needed to short his short his rotation. He likes shorter rotations during the playoffs. Like a lot of coaches do. Uh, but Every single player on this team has, I mean, every single player. Maisha Hines-Allen, if she had such a great start to the season that there that there's no way the Mystics, I think there's one or two games at the start of the season that if, if Maisha Hines-Allen hadn't been in there getting double-doubles, the Mystics wouldn't have won. And then they're not here later in the season with the third best record in the league, you know? So it's just kind of the snowball effect. Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, uh, Ariel Atkins got um, injured. They just plug Shatori into the, the starting lineup because she has so many of the same skill sets as Ariel Atkins. They didn't have to change any of their game plans. And, you know, they just kept on rolling. So they 
they have so much flexibility with these lineups um, when they do have really big bigs that they're going up against, um, which they really won't the rest of this playoffs. Like that's, a, you know, that's something Latoya Sanders said to me. She said, you know, in our war path is not um, unless they get the Mercury in the finals, you know, th- th- there's not a there's not a Liz Cambage in the way. There's not a Sylvia Fowles. Um, but when they do have that, they can get Crystal Thomas a minutes. You know, she is that big physical presence. So there's just the flexibility in that in the lineup. I think it's really underrated. Um, and the bench is kind of come. The bench had a few weeks where you, you would look down and they would score six points a game. It was okay because the starters are so good. But there have been Tiana Hawkins and Ariel Powers and Tiara from Pratt have, have been putting in some really solid minutes lately. The Mystics are about to go on the road to start this series and to play two games in Atlanta. And just to play devil's advocate and to and to look at this from both sides, you know, if if a game does go south in Atlanta in one of these first two, what's that look like? I guess what you know, what are the biggest issues that you would be worried about where a game maybe would go sideways on Washington? You know, is it maybe you know, is it maybe people still leave cloud open and she goes cold for one game? Is it you know, Latoya, is it somebody getting in foul trouble? What, you know, what to just, just to play devil's advocate, what are the, are the biggest things you'd be worried about for Washington where a game might go sideways? Yeah, I battled by the pace in Atlanta. Um, Cause we've seen that happen before. And, you know, and even though the Mystics love, you know, when they're playing against a Sparks, a team that hates fast pace, you know, they want to drive up the pace. Atlanta might be the only team that can kind of beat them quickness wise and speed wise. Um, and I just, maybe it's cause I was there for that game that they played in July, right before the all-star where Atlanta just had them on their heels the entire game. Uh, and the mystics defense was just atrocious. So I think that's what I would be afraid of is the mystics defense and discipline on defense, just breaking down. Deladon and Tolliver are both obviously really big talents and really great talents, but they're not elite defenders. And that when that breaks down, when uh, you have Ariel Atkins occasionally, just occasionally actually looking like a rookie, you know, you can, you can get in trouble and there's no room in this Atlanta lineup. I mean, Atlanta's also has the bench depth. Atlanta also has the versatility in lineup. Atlanta also has just such agile and athletic players that the mystics aren't going to have much room to play with. They're just going to have to continue to be, they're going to be so focused and so uh, intense that I, I do worry about lapses there, and I would worry that they can't keep up. Did that make sense? Sorry, it's it's very late here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I think I think that definitely is fair because I think you know, as mentioned, you know, At- Atlanta, Atlanta won't back down from the pace, and they're definitely going to keep they you know they're going to keep hunting opportunities to run, even if you know a couple of shots get down because that's how, that's how they play. Um, and, you know, being at home and they're definitely well rested. Uh, so that won't be an issue. And, you know, they have, they have some, some solid depth too, but, you know, they'll be able to get, they'll be able to get their best players a little bit of rest when they need to. So I, I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, just if they lose Montgomery for a couple possessions in a row, she hits some threes, 
you know, if Sykes gets hot and she really starts, you know, she, you know, a couple of the heat checks go in for her. And then, and then, you know, when that happens, when, when other players hit shots, you know, the, the, the extra sliver of space is all, is all that Tiffany Hayes needs a lot of the time to get all the way to the rim and, and to really carve people up. So that's, that's going to be interesting to follow. And, and, and that'll start on Sunday. Um, and I think, you know, I, I feel like both of these semifinal series are really going to be good showcases to put out there because I do think the style of play is going to be appealing. I think people will enjoy it. You know, we mentioned Washington. They can really spread people out. They can shoot it. They've got Del Don who can score on anybody. Um, Atlanta's got that signature player in Tiffany Hayes. And then the other series, too, I don't know if you have you have any thoughts you wanted to share on that one, but you know, I think Seattle Phoenix will be the same way that they're really going to be able to get up and down when they want to. A lot of people that can hit big time shots, and that, you know, it's it's not there is no LA Minnesota, but I think there is a lot of bright spots to look forward to. Yeah, I, I mean, it's look, it's exciting. I uh, LA Minnesota set the standard, and the rest of the league kind of had to come up and match it. And this year, we saw the rest of the league really step up to the plate. Yeah, LA and Minnesota's level both declined a little bit for various reasons. But what we're left with is, I think, four teams that I'm really excited to see in the spotlight, you know, and to get this chance. I don't see either series being a sweep. And that's also exciting. Uh, semifinal sweeps recently. Uh, you know, I think that I'm excited for Tiffany Hayes to get this big exposure, for people to really get to see her shine, for Elizabeth Williams to get the playoff spotlight, you know, for people to get to see Latoya Sanders and for Deladon to finally get, I mean, not she, she did go to the finals in Chicago, but, you know, and, and for Stewart, like, are you the face of the league? Is this, is this the next step? This is your MVP year. Um, presumably we're guessing and and then uh you know to have a a trio like um you know griner and tarasi and bonner taking center stage and i mean you've got to give sandy brundella just so much credit (laughs) i know you've written a lot about this but just for what she's been able to do with this uh with this team since losing sancho little I honestly couldn't be more excited for for both of these matchups. There's no way for there to be a dud of a final, you know, final matchup. I don't think like there's um, there's not one team that could could get an upset and then I feel like would go away in the final. I think I think we're in for a really nice treat. And as much as that L.A. Minnesota rivalry fueled the league and um, fueled interest and was nothing but positive. Um, it's going to be exciting to see if other teams are really ready to step up into that void. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, we don't have to, you know, last year both both semifinal series were sweeps. And like you said, I don't think we're going to get that this year. And that's exciting. That's exciting to know that we're going to get more than the minimum amount of games. There was definitely, there was definitely an air of inevitability with, inevitability with you know, a, a decent share of people that have been following the league that felt, yeah, you know, it's it's still going to be LA, Minnesota that are going to end up in the finals. And yeah, this year, you know, Seattle has definitely earned a lot of the love they've gotten and they've been, they were the best regular season team. And on the opposite side here, you know, it's it was a battle that came down all the way to the bitter end, you know, where Washington had a chance to sneak in and, and grab that two seed. Um, I guess just, I guess we should close with, and I should really just nail down and well, because that's what 
Well, I have a quick question for you. Would I, I mean, would any result, I think besides any sweeps either way, like, would there be any finals matchup or any champion at this point where that would completely shock you at this point? Because for me, there's not. (laughs) Like, to me, any of these four teams, you know, I mean, maybe like Atlanta over Seattle in a best of five series would be a little bit surprising. But I, I can at this point, there's there's an there's a really good argument for all four teams. Yeah, I you know I I still think Atlanta would be it would be a bit of a surprise to see them. Get yeah, there and win. especially without Angel, especially without Angel. Yeah, and you know I you know I I do try you, know, you try to look at the numbers you you respect the teams that have won so many games and Atlanta has continued to march right on without her, but you know when the game slows down when defenses tighten up. And, you know, every team left standing this point, you know, you can point to the defensive rating points per game, whatever, but, you know, the teams left standing, they have the pieces to when they set their defense, they can, they have enough options that they're not, these aren't teams that are just going to get totally get torched, um, that they will be able to stay in games with each other. I do wonder what it's going to look like when we get to, you know, four minutes left, we go into that last timeout, if it's a one possession game, you know. What does Atlanta's possessions look? What do their possessions look like the rest of that game? I do wonder what that's just going to look like, and and how tough it'll be for them to score. Um, so I think that would be the most surprising one to me. But you know, I think I think these are I think these are four teams that deserve to be there. I think these are the four best teams in the league. I think these are the teams that we should want to see right now. How about how about for you? Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking of last year, where is if you know, if going into the semifinals last year, you had told me it was going to be a Washington Phoenix final, you know, I, I would not have that I would have laughed like that just wasn't going to happen. And I don't feel that way this year, even though I agree that Atlanta would be fourth on my on my list as far as champions go. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, I still think that there that there's an argument there, that there's a conversation to be had. I think we're going to learn a lot about Tiffany Hayes over the next week or two. And um, it's, it's, it's a big stage for her, and she's done nothing but rise to the occasion um, this season. And, but this is the playoffs. And also Nikki Collin, like this is a really big test for her and for her coaching. She's done a, such a good job. I mean, I remember talking with Howard and, uh, you know, other high post two staffers, you know, the start of the season that, you know, Atlanta has so many great pieces, but how are they going to fit? How, you know, in what way are these pieces going to come together? And, you know, the second half of the season, they fit all fit seamlessly and do they crumble under playoff pressure? I just I just think we're going to find out a lot about them. Uh, and same goes for uh, for Seattle, who's never been in this position with Brianna Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, and that that core um, haven't haven't been under this spotlight. I mean, the beginning of the season, Brianna Stewart said, "I just want a season over 500." <laughs> like she was just so sick of you know losing seasons of these 16 and 18 seasons. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, what, you know, what, what Nikki Collins has done with that team, it's, it's, it's been impressive. You know, the, the found, you know, the foundation was there from last season, what they did defensively, you know, before they totally fell apart, you know, pre all-star break, they were a very solid defensive team. And obviously they added Jessica Breland, such a big piece and Angel came back and those, you know, that's a lot of size, 
to, to bring back to your defense. And, you know, Breland is all over the place, obviously. And, you know, the off, you know, as much as I talk, you know, I don't want to hit, you know, beat that horse too much about, you know, end of the game, who's going to get your shot because, you know, what I think what has really driven the success for Atlanta above everything else is, you know, they're moving the ball. Like yeah. the ball's moving. Last season, they were, I mean, a lot of times they were miserable to watch. I mean, it was miserable <laughs> to watch that team So play miserable, yeah. Because the ball stuck. And, and yeah, you know, by a certain point, it was clear what their se- the destiny of their season was. But, you know, the ball didn't move side to side. You know, there were just there just wasn't much action going on. And, you know, that, that can be tough to watch. But now, you know, when the ball moves, you know, they have more chances for more people to, to get involved, to make plays. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, the one thing, the one thing Atlanta, I think, should feel good about is, you know, as good as Latoya Sanders has been, I think as, you know, I think Deladon even, I think, is a little underrated for what she does defensively. You know, I if I'm Atlanta, you're... You, you're not terrified you know there's not there's not somebody six nine standing under the rim and right. and that changes what you can do you know somebody like Tiffany Hayes yeah. you know she's gonna put her head down and she's gonna she's gonna really force the hand of the officials and and she's gonna probably get her get herself to the line plenty of times and that may impact them but you know and when the ball moves Elizabeth Williams who you brought up Breland you know I think that goes for them too where they won't be you know afraid to try to make some plays and get to the rim themselves to, to force the issue and the fun thing is, though, that the, that goes both ways. The Mystics also don't have, you know, that that six foot nine person in there. So it just really opens things up a lot, I think, for both teams. Absolutely. And then, you know, on the other side, the last thing I want to say, yeah, you know, it would have it would have been a surprise to see to Phoenix see Phoenix make it through last year. And the thing that's just it's still so strange to think about is one that they got as far as they did last year, having to win two single elimination games, which they also did in 2016. And, and, but here they are again. And although this time it probably shouldn't be as much of a surprise because one, Juana Bonner has, I mean, she's having an incredible season. She's so good. (laughs) And that's, and you know, that's somebody that's on the floor, but I mean, the minutes she's played, I mean, she played the whole game tonight. She played all 40 minutes. Um, Oh my God. And I mean, she's a legitimate third scorer for them. I mean, a lot of the plays they make, you know, you know that Griner's going to set a lot of high screens for Tarasi, but when she has to get rid of it and she throws it to Bonner, you know, it's not just that she can make a three, make an open jump shot. It's that, you know, if she gets the ball, she can do something. You know, if you're not, if you're not right there on a solid closeout, like she's going to get all the way to the rim and do stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the other key piece of that puzzle has been Breon January. You know, I, I think you saw yeah. it in the game tonight. And we're going to see this in the Seattle series, too, you know, uh, with her defending Jasmine Thomas. And maybe she won't maybe she won't guard Sue Bird. Maybe she'll spend more time on Jewel Lloyd. But if she is on Bird, you know, in pick and roll, they don't have to bend their defense because January is going to fight over those screens. She's going to stay in place. She's not just going to get nailed by a screen and then suddenly you're playing five on four or worse and i think i mean that's another thing that's you know it's not just about you know by the numbers all season long phoenix wasn't the best defensive team but then you know you put them in this environment and you know they've got you know they've got two starters that weren't there last year and and that's you know as good as tarasi and griner have been that's that's really driven them to this point no you can't win with two players i mean we've seen that with 
You know, we saw that with Dallas this year. You can't win with just two players. You know, you've got to have other pieces, especially this season, as dynamic as the league is. And, you know, I mean, with the the way they're, they've played since moving Bonner to the four, it, I mean, like, Tarasi looks better than she looked like six years ago. I just It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, how good these players, you know, how good she looks. And, you know, I, I, I honestly think we're in for a treat. And the only thing I hope can hope for at this point is enough caffeine to stay up for those late games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I want to I want to get out of here on this. Just where you're feeling, you know, what do you think? What do you think are the two teams that are going to be left standing after these semis that are going to be meeting in the finals? I've said Mystic Seattle all along, so I'm going to I'm going to stick with that. Uh, but I feel less confident about Seattle right now, and it really doesn't have anything to do with Seattle. It just has to do with with the trust that Phoenix seems to have in each other, and the trust that that uh, Sandy has like put in all of them. I just there's just something gelling, something special there. I mean, I watched I watched a game earlier in the season where Stephanie Talbot wasn't even playing any minutes in a game against like the Indiana fever, you know, like she just was like a bench player that they were having. I mean, she was an afterthought on their team and all of a sudden she's making three DNPs. I think she got this season. Yeah. And all of a sudden she's, you know, she's making huge plays in this, you know, in the last couple minutes of this Connecticut game. I'm not saying she was the difference maker, but she's, she's in there, you know, and she's making, uh, she, she she made a few big shots down the, down the end. And, it's just there. There's some. It feels like there's something special happening in Phoenix, and um, but it's also a little bit of an out of mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, situation with Seattle. You know, I think they they deserve the respect. But look, uh, Seattle and the Mystics had a couple of incredibly exciting games early on in the season. Both were in Seattle. They had one game in D.C., which the Mystics just crushed Seattle, which was really weird. Um, but I remember talking with some some Mystics, some Storm beat writers and kind of being like, this would be a fun final. And that's kind of been my hope all year. So I'm going to stick with that. I think that's probably still the most likely. But I think I would say that the Mercury were are the most likely spoilers. And I wouldn't be surprised if the dream were there either. So that is me giving all the caveats. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, well, well, we, <laughs> we agree on the mystics. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not, not mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick to what I had picked before. I think, I think Washington's gonna get there, and I, I, I felt that Phoenix was gonna, was gonna get there, with how they're playing. I think they're just too tough to guard. Again, I think, you know, one, they're, they're starting five, they can match up. They can, you know, get the job done if they just don't, you know, if they don't get killed in transition, if they don't give up, you know, too many, too many easy bunnies and they just set their defense and they don't get into foul trouble. I think they'll have enough there. I, you know, I, I'm not quite there with Seattle yet. You know, one, I think they're, I think their roster is still a little too top heavy. I worry if they'll get much from anybody on their bench and you could say that about Phoenix too, to be perfectly honest. But you know, Phoenix's bench is horrible. Gonna... <laughs> but they don't seem to. It doesn't seem to matter anymore. <laughs> right, and if you know, if Phoenix is going to face anybody, they're facing Seattle, where those there are those same questions with their reserves, and 
you know, I think, you know, Phoenix is also, you know, their players are used, their players are used to this, you know, Griner's used to now being relied on to play 37 minutes and Bonner, we've seen all season. She led the league in total minutes played, you know, Tarasi somehow is, has been so effective playing so many minutes where she is, you know, their offense. And then January and Talbot are just filling in the gaps. You know, they're where they're supposed to be on defense. They're get they're chasing down the loose balls. You know, they're, they're, they're the players that are really taking on those, those roles of being the stopper. And, you know, specific to Seattle's depth, I think, you know, Natasha Howard getting into foul trouble has been a little bit of a bugaboo for them. And, you know, this isn't an opponent where there's much of a hiding spot. There, there you know, Stewart and Howard are either going to, one of them's going to have to guard Griner, the other's going to have to guard Duana Bonner. Or they'll throw another big out there, which is going to hurt, hurt what they're able to do offensively. So there's no hiding spot there. There's no real advantage. You know, you've got to be out in space to handle Duana Bonner, or you got to bang inside with Griner, who has a huge size advantage and can just bury them under the rim still whenever she wants. You know, that that hasn't changed. Um, so I like Phoenix in that, but I think I think we'll get good series out of both of these, like we said. And, and you know, we'll see what happens. Do you know what, what was their head-to-head this season? I'm just trying to look it up. Um, Phoenix and Seattle. Um, yes, we, we don't have to, to pay. <laughs> um, it looks like the storm one when went three and one. So that's interesting. Um, but a lot of these were back in May. They've only played once since May. So, um, and that was a one Oh two to 91 storm game. But I think that was still when they were going, when the Mercury were trying to figure out what their post Sancho world was going to look like. So there hasn't been any recent matchups um, between them. So yes, uh, Seattle, yeah. Seattle went to one other season and that can be reference there. Um, yeah, they're still, they're still one with little. So they haven't made that change yet. So that, I mean, that's, that's big. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Okay. All right. Well, it is 1am here on the East coast, Ben. So I'm going to go to bed because <laughs> I right. have to be in the office in the morning. Okay. We totally understand. All right. Lindsay Gibbs, as mentioned, you can read uh, Matoya Sanders and uh, we'll have, we have takeaways on tonight's game from you on. on that one. Takeaways are up already. Right. So, you know, we're good to go. All right, Lindsay, thank you for taking the time tonight. Thanks for having me.